Welcome to the July 2012 episode of the Harvard Medical Labcast, science that's changing your world. This podcast is produced in Boston by Harvard Medical School's Office of Communications and External Relations. My name is Darian Garay, and today we have a special report. We'll be talking with four scientists about basic, curiosity-driven research. That is, research done in yeast and flies and other organisms without a particular application in mind, and its value in a time of tightening budgets. They make the case that such work is something we cannot afford to neglect. Bill Chin, Executive Dean for Research at HMS, explains. The public understandably wants results, wants uh, our research to provide cures for many of our diseases, cancers, diabetes, etc. But I think the public needs to know that knowledge is not created by waving a wand and saying, let us now understand fully what cancer is all about. It's right to be impatient, but it's also very important to understand that you can't build this house without a good foundation. And that foundation is basic science, research that probes the most fundamental mysteries of life. This work seeds new ideas, technologies, and breakthroughs. According to Cliff Tabin, head of the HMS Department of Genetics, it's impossible to tell at the onset if a particular research project will have a practical application. But I can tell you that in the aggregate, all the people who are doing the types of science that I'm doing will make enormous quantum breakthroughs that totally change medicine. Tabin is most concerned for up-and-coming researchers whose careers are poised to take off and for how biomedicine in the U.S. will suffer if we don't support them. We are the world's leaders at this creative, curiosity-driven science. And the moment you pull out of that and don't give grants to the people who left my lab five years ago and are leaving my lab now, they will leave science, their labs will collapse, and you'll lose the leaders of the next generation. And we can't afford to do that. It's much harder now as a young person to get funded, and it's stressful. Every job worth doing is stressful in some way, and so it's all right that it is. But I've had multiple mentors talk to me about how much harder it is for my generation of scientists than it was for them. That's Angela DePace, an assistant professor of systems biology who in 2008, after decades of schooling and lab work, finally became the leader of a lab at HMS. She has seen firsthand how funding pressures can affect the launch of a scientist's career. It's not just about budgets, it's also about people and their career trajectory through a particular time frame, which is sort of the time when they're most vulnerable, right? Going from zero grants to one grant is a very different situation than going from two grants to three grants. So if we did a State of the Union address right now, I had you (laughs) on camera, and you had a moment to explain how basic science fits into this scientific inquiry and Mm -hmm. why it's so vital. You know, someone's like, you study fly genes? Like, what how does that affect me? Mm-hmm. How, how would you try to communicate, you know, the importance of basic science in this whole structure? The first thing that I would say is that for biology in particular, it is shocking how much you are like a fly. The toolkit of genes that every organism has is shockingly similar across a very wide range of species. So The way that you build different organisms is largely a question of how you deploy that toolkit. It's it's not that the, the fundamental building blocks are so very, very different. But given the universality of this genetic toolkit, how do you choose what to study? Even if you're doing basic research, you want to be doing it on 
important problems. And I have some wonderful clinician colleagues um, and friends, right? And so they can point to me to things that they want to be able to do but are not currently possible. Those, those kinds of interactions can be incredibly motivating, right, in that they, they make you realize that the results of your research are important not just to you because you think it's beautiful and engaging and inspiring, but because in the end it, it may be useful. Tapace herself values the time she can spend with physician scientists and clinicians and recommends this become the norm. Honestly, just having more time to chat is, is it's a pretty simple information interchange when you have people who are excited about what they do. People like Stephen Baratowski, a molecular biologist in the Department of Biological Chemistry and Molecular Pharmacology. What can be more interesting and exciting than really understanding you know, how a cell works, right? You know, maybe for some people that's not interesting, but, but for me, you know, that's a really valid use of our country's resources. While trying to illustrate the value of basic science, Carl Sagan once wrote, cutting off fundamental curiosity-driven science is like eating the seed corn. We may have a little more to eat next winter, but what will we plant so we and our children will have enough to get through the winters to come? Borotowski echoes that sentiment. It would be a mistake to say, oh, you know, why are we studying yeast or why are we studying fruit flies? It is the seed for all the future technologies, for, for future biotechnology, for future medical breakthroughs. And, um, you know, if you, if you eat your seed corn, the, the next season comes around and you go hungry. The yield of basic science is all around us. One example here at Harvard Medical School is geneticist Jack Shawstack's work with yeast. While tinkering with yeast chromosomes in the early 1980s, Shawstack, who's based at Massachusetts General Hospital, learned what keeps DNA from unraveling. He was simply pursuing his curiosity, but the discovery ended up shaping scientists' understanding of aging and is now proving vital in the quest to keep humans healthier for longer. Shawstack shared the 2009 Nobel Prize in Physiology or Medicine for his contribution to the field. Here's Chin again on the role of curiosity in research. I uh, like the quote that uh, was from Ralph Waldo Emerson, and he said, curiosity is lying in wait for every secret. And by that, he meant that to understand the secrets of life and secrets of biology, if we don't have that curiosity of what makes things tick, which then is the basis for basic science, we will never achieve our understanding of life's mysteries in a way that will allow us to, to build things uh, for, for patients. But basic science is only the beginning. The basic scientist has a lot to offer. So I hopefully I've emphasized that their, their contributions are, are absolutely essential. However, if that's kept in isolation, perhaps we won't have utilized the full benefit of that work. So I'm very much in favor of collaboration, uh, that there is wisdom of larger groups working together. Chin's goal is to increasingly see basic scientists work closely with the researchers and clinicians who then translate their discoveries into treatments. He believes that greater collaboration across institutions will benefit all involved, especially patients. One example of this is Harvard Catalyst, an HMS initiative that bridges basic science with clinical research to accelerate the development of therapies. The goal of Harvard Catalyst is literally to synergize the activities of our faculty 
throughout Harvard writ large. I think there's tremendous power in that. Then we have, in many ways, a common goal, a common enemy in a sense, not our patients, but disease in patients. If we all keep this common enemy in mind, disease, it becomes easier to see why it is vital for basic scientists to be able to follow where their curiosity leads them and for them to share what they find with the rest of us. Only by understanding how life works can we hope to foster innovation. I'll leave you with a quote from the Nobel laureate Aaron Klug. Human curiosity, the urge to know, is a powerful force and is perhaps the best secret weapon of all to unravel the workings of the natural world. This podcast is a production of Harvard Medical School's Office of Communications and External Relations. And we'd love to hear your comments on this program. Tell us what you think and see what other listeners are saying at hms.harvard.edu slash podcasts, where you can also read a feature story on curiosity-driven research. To learn more about Harvard Medical School, its academic and research programs, and its affiliated hospitals and research institutes, visit hms.harvard.edu.